book two chapter five of the spy company a story of the mexican war by archibald clavering gutter this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by john brandon book two taylor's camp at corpus christi chapter five the march for the rio grande the next morning miss godfrey wakes to find the steamer anchored in the bay of corpus christi a dozen other vessels are about the city of mobile among them two small gunboats and a revenue cutter to her astonishment she sees that all have steam up the bustle of an army getting ready for active service is on the water as well as on the land the orderly lines of white tents and log cabins of four thousand u s regulars three or four batteries of artillery the light guns placed in position the heavy guns parked at the rear are in full view as estrella steps on deck the reveille sounding from half a dozen fife and drum corps comes faintly over the water the flag is being hoisted on the headquarters flagstaff the whole glorious panoply of war is in front of her she can see the infantry companies forming in the canvas-bordered streets though there are no signs of the usual morning drill in contrast to the extreme order of the military encampment outside its lines on the lower ground nearer the shore stands a disreputable shanty town of adobe huts clabbered houses and even dwellings made of mesquite boughs and branches and conestoga wagons that have become houses on wheels its irregular streets filled with the refuse of that shiftless congregation which always clusters about an army in its winter quarters for taylor's forces have occupied corpus christi for nearly five months ample time to gather about his well-ordered command not only those of direct business for the government bringing him supplies forage and ammunition but also the thousand varied sharks and harpies that live upon prey upon and plunder uncle sam's soldiers consequently in this heterogeneous congregation of buildings are seen mexican dance halls with painted canvas signs american gambling houses and barrooms where guardiente mescal and noya together with bad whiskey that never saw kentucky are served in sufficient quantities to make the duties of the provost marshal very arduous after payday of course mingled with the haunts of vice are the sirens who lure the soldiers into them the appearance of this shanty town is made somewhat picturesque by the green of the bow manufactured huts and the varied patched covers of the conestoga wagons some of which are occupied as homes by wandering camp followers who are ready to hitch up and follow along as soon as the army moves to the front in the nearer foreground right on the shore stand a few very plain sheds of rough lumber and adobe warehouses of firms doing business with the united states government between these and estrella are the blue waters of corpus christi bay now busy with marine life apparently some movement is contemplated for the anchored ships and steamers 
already miss godfrey has eaten a hasty breakfast in the cabin and attended by zelma stands eagerly awaiting disembarkation gradually her mobile features become shattered by a poignant disappointment she had hoped that her father eager as she for a meeting might come off in a shore boat to greet her but no jim godfrey climbs up the side ladder so she stands her little foot tapping the deck impatiently until nearly all the passengers have disembarked and tries to hide her chagrin by pretending to be interested as the mules are swung over the ship's side and made to swim for their lives to the shore though a tear or two will dim her eyes about this time captain hampton says quietly at her shoulder everything is ready for you miss godfrey mcgowan has kindly given me one of the cutters i've got your luggage in it with your permission can i assist you down the side ladder not until i've said a word to her cries the skipper turning for a moment from his ship's duties he takes the young girl's hands in his and says cordially my dear young lady even if you meet your father you had better remain on board my ship with him until he takes you to his rancho in addition should your father not be in that rough-and-tumble shanty town there my advice is for you to return to the city of mobile then i'll take charge of you and put you back in new orleans and civilization thank you but i shall not come back captain i'm going to see my father even if he is not here even if i have to go to the ranch she answers determinedly he may have mistaken the time for my coming then you've a pretty difficult task upon your hands young lady remarks the skipper glumly taking hampton aside he whispers a few hasty words and miss godfrey catches the reply in a low quiet voice leave her to me mcgowan i'll see that she gets in her dad's arms somehow this gives great confidence to the young lady she is in such good spirits as she permits herself to be assisted down the side ladder of the ship that she hardly notices that an army boat dashes up to it and a staff officer in undress uniform hastily passes her at the gangway and goes into consultation with captain mcgowan that the craft does not carry a texan planter who may be her father is all that concerns her zelma has preceded her and is already seated with her mistress's hand luggage and big sunshade on one of the midship seats of the cutter as hampton places himself beside miss godfrey in the stern the mistress notices a curious austerity in his face as he chances to gaze at her octoroon maid once when he has occasion to speak to zelma his words are curt and the tone of his voice is severe wondering at this estrella who has already made up her mind that the gentleman at her side has a kind heart and furthermore that he also considers himself altogether too great a gun to pay much attention to the doings of her servant casts her eyes over zelma to see if there is anything in her attendant's manner or appearance that has caused the captain's condemnation and discovers naught upon this journey 
her mistress has thought it wise in view of the young woman's attractive personality to keep zelma though neatly very plainly dressed this morning her maid would be unnoticeable were it not impossible to hide the contours of a delicate yet slightly voluptuous creole figure beneath a plain black short-skirted alpaca frock and to destroy the effect of her lustrous languid dark eyes by having the glossy dark masses of the girl's hair braided into two big disfiguring pigtails but even as miss godfrey looks she is concerned to notice that zelma under hampton's glance droops her eyes in an almost guilty embarrassment and her attendant's manner becomes extraordinarily confused the boat having reached a little pile landing-place hampton springs out and very carefully assists miss godfrey upon its rough planking zelma with the hand luggage has been passed on shore by the crew with a sharp command to her attendant keep close behind your mistress girl the texan leads the young lady through a short street which has been made a quagmire by the wheels of government wagons through which a band of army pack mules are tramping splashing the black texas mud over estrella's neat travelling dress can't help roughing it a leetle remarks hampton reassuringly as he keeps between the delicate girl and some rough teamsters and escorts her very carefully through a congregation of mexican packers for lured by american gold there were always plenty of non-combatant greasers in the rear of uncle sam's army during this estrella cannot help glancing at the cavalier who is taking such very good care of her a look of astonishment is in his face sharp hampton upon the land is almost a different being to sharp hampton upon the sea his air which had been rather quietly languid on shipboard has become strikingly alert his movements seem quick as a wildcat's this wonderful flexibility is easily apparent from the costume he wears which is a mixture of that of the prairies and that of the parade ground his legs are cased in buckskin breeches tight as if they were his own skin his feet are in moccasins a short buckskin hunting shirt clothes him from the waist up over it is the loose undress of a volunteer captain his rank shown by a couple of neat shoulder straps a mexican sombrero tops his resolute face and instead of a sword he wears for sidearms in his belt a buckhorn handled bowie knife and a pair of six shooting colt's dragoon pistols deadly as a rifle at a hundred yards though his legs are slightly bowed from constant horse exercise his pace is so rapid that twice he has to stop and accommodate his steps to those of the pretty feet which are striving to keep up with him under his guidance the party soon stand in front of a little clabbered shanty labelled by a canvas sign ranch office martin best and co new york this the young lady enters with a very eager look upon her face to receive astonishment and afterwards dismay 
a clerk who would be dapper were his shirt not covered with whiskey stains and his sleeves not rolled up to his elbows looks carelessly up from some bills of lading seeing this goddess of beauty and fashion takes off a battered straw hat and ejaculates under his breath gee cracky as she mentions her name he bows effusively and says deferentially i'm mighty sorry miss godfrey but there's been a terrific mistake up to our galveston office we sent a letter there that your father had got word to us that he would be up the coast at metagorda to meet you not corpus christi as soon as we got it we forwarded his instructions on the paducah oh mercy the paducah broke her shaft we passed her outside of galveston harbor that letter reached there after i left what am i to do well your father's at metagorda can i get transportation to metagorda no i'm sorry to tell you all the steamboats go back direct to galveston replies the clerk then what am i to do i must see my father her escort who has not intruded himself upon this interview is standing outside the door looking meditatively at a sutler's boy trying to conquer a wayward bronco she steps out to him and hastily explaining the matter says consternation in her voice captain hampton i am in a fearful dilemma what am i to do you want very much to see your father oh so much think i haven't looked on him ever in my life to know him well the most sensible thing would be for you to stay here until you can get carried back to galveston some vessel in a few days must be returning up the coast from there send word to your father and let him visit you in that place i don't think he can come he's too busy he has a large number of government contracts he furnishes horses for the volunteer regiments they expect to raise in texas also the mounted rifles yes i know that then after a moment's consideration hampton adds i think your father made up his mind it would not be possible to get through to corpus christi with his scalp that's the reason he didn't come here but i must go to him i understand your ideas on that point believe me you shall see him though i may have to make arrangements that you go by schooner to matagorda at all events for the present the best place for you is on board of mcgowan's steamboat her trunks are being carried into the office of martin best and co by some negro roustabouts to them he says leave these here for the present to the young lady he suggests let your maid carry your hand luggage and i will trot you down to the shore again and get you on board at once then the tears of disappointment in her beautiful eyes draw from him only take the word of sharp hampton that in some way or other you shall see your father 
as they passed through the clustering roustabouts and government teamsters near the shore of the bay a buzz of commotion and excitement seems to pervade the shanty town hampton apparently doesn't heed this though when he gets to the landing-place a short sharp gun from one of the warships calls from him a sudden exclamation he says shading his eyes and looking over the waters of the bay great thunder look every vessel in the harbor is going out of it even the city of mobile whispers estrella dismay in her voice by golly if de whole flock of em ain't tootin down to pint isabella to wait dear till de greasers is licked out guffaws a half-clothed negro sutler's boy who is looking at the picture with two or three equally undressed companions what does it mean asks the girl faintly feeling that this nautical movement affects her destiny as she speaks the soft notes of the bugles float through the quiet air from the distant camp mean cries the young texan the fire of battle is making his eyes flash and bringing the blood into his cheeks those transports all order down the coast those bugles from the army lines sounding boots and saddles by the lord it means at last taylor is marching on the rio grande my heaven i've got to get back like blazes to san antonio and bring the boys on quick the bugles from the distant camp sound again and miss godfrey looking up dismayed notices that the veins on her escort's forehead stand out and his eyes are turned eagerly southward captain hampton i'm afraid your care of me will keep you from your military duties says estrella falteringly leave me at the office of martin best and co that clerk is a gentleman he will do all he can for the daughter of jim godfrey one of their most valuable customers leave you here the army going from it in this disreputable teamster camp follower gambling hole he glances over the rough town then couldn't you get some mexicans to escort me to my father's ranch greasers to keep you from comanches half jeers half shudders hampton don't doubt those red devils know the men of texas are going to the front and are already trailing down over the plains to jump each unprotected ranch house come with me i've got to go up to taylor's camp anyway there may be some wives of officers left who can take care of you for the moment as he speaks the texan is striding hurriedly along the muddy street of this purlieus of the army two minutes after he is at what proudly calls itself a livery stable and is assisting the boys to hitch a couple of mustangs into a second-hand army ambulance buckling strap and throwing on harness himself upon the front seat of this vehicle he seats zelma tossing in her mistress's light baggage after her with much more care he assists to the back seat miss godfrey 
springing beside her he said sharply to a nigger boy who has jumped in front and is handling the reins drive lively to taylor's headquarters sambo so they dash up the muddy street splattering the black mold upon several half-breed camp women who are out looking for victims one or two white-shirted gamblers who are strolling towards the martial music and monte juan a mexican card sharper who would mutter a carajo as they pass him by did he not recognize and remember captain sharp hampton of hayes rangers as they drive up to headquarters martial music breaks out upon the sunny air see the advance is beginning whispers hampton his eyes glinting as he points towards the parade ground where the regiments are now drawn up their tents already struck have been put into the baggage wagons which are clustering to follow them already the movement is in progress taylor and his staff are reviewing the advance column of his army that he is projecting on the rio grande that stream the approach to which the mexican government has said means war a squadron of thornton's dragoons trotting with clattering sabres forms the advance guard immediately after rides the leader of the column colonel twiggs followed by his staff hard-riding dashing young officers of fine bearing but dressed in fatigue uniforms and rigged out for service not display then with slashing root step come three regiments of infantry their bands playing their men cheering after them roll the light batteries their gallant commander that superb artilleryman ringold riding ahead of his guns his eyes vivid with the anticipation of battle and victory gallant eyes that two months hence shall close in death on the blood-stained field of palo alto all through the ranks are faces radiant with hope of successful war and many with thoughts of happy return honored with victory to their loved ones in the far north states but this morning their eyes are turned southward not to face about until they have borne the american colors proudly over the cordilleras and planted them victorious on the capital of mexico many of them will never turn north again boys who have kissed their sweethearts for the last time husbands who shall look no more in this world upon wives faces men whose mothers shall wait for them by the home fireside in vain yet all go cheering buoyantly along as if they were striding to feet not battle for five months waiting in this kennel of corpus christi has made uncle sam's war dogs very eager now that the leash has been taken from them to spring at mexican throats the column disappears in the distance the dust of their foot tracks drifts away but the united states with the footsteps of this marching column has begun one of its greatest territorial advances before those battle flags are furled uncle sam will absorb texas california 
and all that great territory that now permits him to span the continent with half a dozen lines of steel from the atlantic to the pacific and so on to the commerce of the far east a national development without which the great yankee nation's destiny would have been inefficient incomplete absurd as usual quite a congregation of onlookers has inspected the departing troops one of them a smooth-tongued timid-looking hospital clerk remarks gee when they hear the news up in the states won't they give poor old rough and ready taylor hell for this yes the presidency answers a long-headed cool government commissariat contractor spitting some tobacco juice in the dust but the hospital clerk guessed right as well as the contractor national expansion as usual was opposed by a certain number of the american people who cried out conquest blood and imperialism and not satisfied with attacking the government at washington inaugurated an assault upon the army of this country from the rear doing more damage to it than the foes in front of it for american soldiers have usually been very successful in meeting open opponents steel to steel and gun to gun though their officers have sometimes suffered woefully from cowardly assassins of their characters who have assailed them in the rear and who even in the halls of congress have cried out with a simplicity that would be ludicrous were it not horrible great heavens our cruel soldiers are defending their lives and killing somebody but the american nation despite their puny protests still marches ever on as it did in eighteen forty six in the days of winfield scott zachary taylor and the mexican war End of book two. Chapter 5. Recording by John Brandon.